0: I think you and I need to explore the vetting procedure that I go through in order to determine what we talk about on this podcast, because you might think to yourself, well, you just talk about any old shit. I mean, that's the impression I've got for the last 16 (laughs) weeks. And that's, that's not technically the case, because sometimes I'm on... I'm on the fence and I don't know like does anybody give a shit about this because this is ultimately not you know in the great scheme of things this is this is pretty weak does anybody want to hear about this and and in order for me to determine whether or not you do there's a simple question that I ask myself every week and that question has proved to be very effective and I ask myself well if your favorite podcaster spoke about that which you think is seemingly dull and boring and shit, would you be interested? And the answer is usually yes. And if the answer is yes, it'd be a nice peek behind their curtain. And that's what I'll talk to you about. Last week was a classic example. Ultimately, what what was I talking about last week? So I remember it was a good example. Oh yes, last week I was exploring why my best mates give me the time of day. And I invited you to ask yourself the same question about your friends. Ask, you know, go into your close circle of friends and why do you think they give you the time of day? And b- before I spoke about that with you, I was thinking, come on. I mean, that seems a little bit self-indulgent. But again, I thought, if Kate spoke about that, would you be interested? And I put probably thinking, who? was Kate? So, the, you know, the biggest inspiration behind his podcast is an American comedian called Kate Quigley. I just randomly... I think I was watching TV once and she did this thing. She was hosting this show. She was funny. So I just jumped into a podcast and I've just never jumped out. I just found myself descending into this vortex of Kate Quigley podcast. And her podcast is called Date Fail. She lives in LA and it's just talking about her dating encounters, good, bad, and everything in between. And she often just talks about nothing. And I just don't know why I find it really compelling. So I'm like, well, if Kate spoke about that or Bill Burr, U.S. comedian, he, you know, if it, he can make the most banal, drivel, interesting. So, so I just say, well, you know, if those two spoke about this, would you be interested? And if the answer is yes, i plough forward. So this week, I'm going to be exploring something that, again, I'm thinking that might seem self-indulgent, but I'd be fascinated if Kate spoke about that. And it actually is something she spoke about before a lot. Now... You will remember there's been a common theme, well, I say common, It's it's been featured in two podcasts, where I explore my disinterest in fame for fame's sake. In fact, the very first episode of this podcast, episode one, was called My Fear of Fame in a Conflict. <laughs> oh, in a Conflict. Oh God, it started playing. There you go. My Fear of Fame, Inner Conflicts, and the Beautiful T V producer, which explored my recent meeting with a TV producer in London. And in fact, so there was another episode as well. I think it was episode fourteen explored explored similar areas, didn't it? If I remember correctly. Yeah. Episode 14 was cut. I've got to stop playing Uh, this podcast. It just keeps playing. Forgive me. Episode 14. Why BBC, Netflix and Sky might think twice about a documentary from CK Golding. So this is something that's very prevalent in my thoughts and i explain why in a second but I just need to give you context. For anyone that's just joined this podcast late, I'm CK. Um, I'm a creator, writer and mild filmmaker, I guess. But yeah, not remotely famous, but I'm happy for it to stay that way in some regards and I'm not in other regards. Now, just to give you context, like fame for fame's sake, walking down the street, people recognising me, asking me for this, that and the other has never been a concept that I found attractive or seductive or alluring or ideal. It doesn't do anything for me. However, with me creating content that I, in an ideal world, would like humans to see, just to get them to feel something, whether it's happiness, surprise, glee, like, um emotional whatever like just creating content makes people feel things delights me so being able to do that on a large scale I can think of nothing that'd make me happier so I'm on the I'm in this weird position whereby I want to create stuff and I want people to see it but I'd like to do that anonymously but I concede that that's not really a possibility so I I'm going to talk about there's something that my mate said to me which I, I seem to be I, it, it it feels like it's very true to me. He always says, wherever your attention goes, your energy flows. And since I've been very mindful of my turbulent relationship with the prospect of fame, I've started just stumbling across people talking about it all the time. I don't know if you're familiar with The Hollywood Reporter. If you're into films and stuff, then The Hollywood Reporter has a series called Roundtable where they, for an hour, get some of the biggest names in film and they just... Shoot the shit. Sometimes they're directors, sometimes they're writers working across TV, Netflix, film, whatever. And it's just really interesting. And yeah, they often talk about that as well. And this week, by complete happen chance, by the way, I promise to never say happen chance again because it's one of those things I've always found very odd. God, Americans are so cute with their happen chance. And what else do Americans say that's really cute? There's one thing that always makes me laugh. What do Americans call candy floss? I find what Americans call candy floss really cute. What is it it again? It's ridiculous. Cotton candy. (laughs) Cotton candy is as ridiculous as it is cute. Anyway, sorry, tangent. So this week I was listening to my favourite podcast at a minute and I discovered another online series which I've just got into and they were just by complete fluke two episodes that I landed on were exploring fame and neither of these things talk about fame. It's not the subject of them, but they just happen to be episodes I picked. So it's just some weird fluke and alchemy going on. And I want to share those clips with you in a bit because that is what we're going to be talking about. Mainly. Jesus Christ. How long was that intro? Six minutes, 47 unacceptable. But before we get onto that, I want to talk about the animal kingdom. And if there's such a thing as a sexy penguin, Because I was just watching, and if you've not seen this, you really need to get involved, right? I was just watching something called Penguins Spy in the Huddle. And it's basically, you know, the BBC, nobody does natural world documentaries like the BBC, in my opinion, they're just world beaters. And this was about penguins, and they have basically got this, penguin cam and it's basically a camera that looks like a penguin it's remarkable so it's able to get some stunning footage and I'm going to play a little clip from it in a minute but my question is simple there's this one scene where these baby emperor penguins are being I think there's about 15 of them and they are there's an attempted attack by a petrel, which is like a big predator bird. This petrel just lands when they're all trying to get to the sea and it's trying to pick them off. It's trying to get one of them, but they kind of have to huddle together to avoid and to, to you know, withstand the onslaught from this one petrel. And suddenly this other kind of penguin, which is called an Adeli penguin, which is known to be very cocky very arrogant quite aggressive it's like small but it doesn't give a shit it's like you know small man syndrome when like you're small but you want to be 10 men that's what an deli penguin is. it's one of the smallest penguins but it just does not give two fucks so this deli penguin comes out of nowhere and fights off the petrol and i'm going to make my point in a minute but first let's just have a clip because i just love natural history natural world stuff
1: they try to flee but running isn't an emperor's strong point A slip, it's all the petrol needs. It has the chick by its neck feathers. But the down comes away and the chick disappears in the crowd. Just as in the huddle, the chicks form a defensive circle and prepare to stand their ground. They might seem small and cuddly, but they're now nearly a metre tall. Quite a fight, even for a petrel.
0: There is a point in all this, I promise. Stick with me, because I could watch this all day long.
1: The nearest chick towers to his full height, making himself bigger and protecting those behind. This scene is immense.
0: It's like just protecting all the penguins. got his arms up as well, like, come on, then, I'll take you now.
1: Brilliant. His defiance buys time. It's a standoff. Here he comes. Then, from out of the blue, a surprising ally, an Adelie. The petrel has met these super aggressive penguins before. The Adelie confidently puts itself between the emperor chicks and danger. The petrel gives up. He knows when he's defeated.
0: So, basically, the petrel has decided, even though it's about three times as big as an Adelie penguin, it's decided, yeah, Adelies aren't for me, I'm off. And it just scurries off, tail between its legs, and I'm just thinking, Jesus, those Adelies don't give a shit. Seriously, if you're into natural world, you need to watch this. Penguins, spine the huddle, it's brilliant. And my question is this, I'm thinking that petrel, as it slinked off, tail between its legs, was it like thinking... I fucking got your number. I've got your face. I'm having you, mate. But it can't be, because to me, all penguins look the same. And I know this is probably something we've all thought at some point, but this is what I was thinking watching this. Like, all breeds of all animals look the same. For me, one Labrador looks the same as the next. Give or take weight discrepancies. One penguin, to me, looks the same as the next. But within their own kind, do they look as different as you and I look to each other? I'm genuine. I just... I just found myself descending into this vortex of drivel, thinking about this. Like, I'm just looking at the screen now, and there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight penguins. They all look identical, but they look different to each other. And I'm fascinated. They must do. Because that would be a pretty bland life if you all look the same. And like, does, is there such a thing as a hot penguin? Like, are some penguins hotter than the next? Like, you know, when it comes to breeding, is it a case of, well, you'll do? Or does some, like get all the action i don't know i don't know if it's a case of like you see a penguin and you think "Hmm, you're hot but you also look like my sister so no i just don't know and i'm fascinated so do you think species look the same to each other or do they look as different as you and i do to each other now the answer to this question is going to be in no way life-changing, but I'm just fascinated to know if if anyone else thinks it's kind of bollocks or it's just I. Let me know, you know, send me a message on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and then we can be losers together. Now, let's return to, (laughs) you know, I like this podcast to be as up-to-date as possible, and it's now, what, it's now like 20 minutes to seven and yeah I just watched this episode about two hours ago and I thought yep I'm going to ask them if there's such a thing as fit penguins anyway right listen let's talk about fame for a bit because I am gonna I open this episode saying I decide whether or not I'm going to talk to you about stuff based on whether or not I would find that interesting with my favorite podcaster so what I'm going to do in a minute in about no 10 minutes I have been asked to do a Q&A for a magazine. So they've sent me a load of questions for this new magazine that's coming out. And I've kind of forgotten it, but the editor sent me a message earlier on saying, CK, I'd be grateful if you could get the answers to me today. So I had like two things I've got to do today. One is this podcast and two is answer this Q&A. Now I'm inherently a lazy bastard. So I thought, well, I'll do them both at the same time. So I'm going to actually answer one of the questions and I'll let you know what the question is and we can kind of go through it together. <laughs> now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I first thought about that, I thought, wicked, save time, and you can go and watch The Practice, like my favourite, you know, if I can save time and watch more episodes of The Practice, then way for me. But I thought, well, does anybody want to really hear you going over and answering a question? And I thought, to be fair, if Bill, if Kate did that, like they were going through a question for a press interview before it's even in the public domain, and they were like going through their answers in their head. I'd be all up for that. So there you go. That's why I'm going to do it. It's not entirely self-indulgent, just 80% self-indulgent. But... Fame, I want to, hang on, I need to put, I need to put my charger in, running out of juice. So I was listening to Louis Theroux's podcast this week, which is called Grounded and he was interviewing Hollywood actress, well, she's British, but you know, Helena Bonham Carter and by complete fluke, once again, they were talking about fame and how it's not, what the average human would think it to be. And there's a bit... I'm just going to play the clip for you because there's a really interesting part in this that I want to talk to you about. So you were talking about being not ready for fame and when it came along, it was a shock to the system. Is that right?
2: There is a thing with the acting world. It's a lot of the time you're taught about the acting, although I wasn't because I didn't even go to drama school. But a lot of people aren't quite... And you're never really taught about how to deal with the fame. There should be fame school, really. Because some people really come cropper.
0: I think people who aren't in the public eye in any
3: way
2: find
1: it maybe hard to understand why fame could be anything but a positive or see it as perhaps self-indulgent
2: to complain about about it. Yeah, I can understand. I don't really complain about it. I think you just mustn't care too much about the onslaught of opinion about you.
0: Well, I was going to say,
1: so if there were a fame school, they would teach you how to deal with negative attention, yep. horrible reviews, what else?
2: Well, don't go on the internet. I mean, just don't go there. Basic rule. Don't look up what people think about you. It's none of your business. Somebody said that, which I thought was a good one. It's none of my business to know what other people think of me. you got to go back to that poem, If. You know, treat the positive with the negative.
0: Two things. Firstly, when Louis said that he appreciates that people who aren't in the public eye don't see anything but the positives of being famous and they struggle to see why famous people have an experienced difficulty with fame like who, who are these people who can't see the other adver, adverse side of like who are these fucking? how can you think being famous is going to be just swimming joy and, and like perfect i don't understand I just don't understand. I mean, I, th- I discussed this in a previous episode. Like, the idea of not being able to pop down to KFC to get my hot wings without being stopped really troubles me. Like, I just want my fucking hot wings. Can you leave me? <laughs> how can't that intrusion on your way to buy artery clogging garbage? How can't that intrusion? be seen as a, 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 as a unfortunate blip in your day. Cause that's how it would seem to me. And when he said that, I was like, what, who are these people? Are you one of them? Can you see any shortcomings of fame? Cause I can see loads and I don't want to, this is, this is, it's easy for someone to listen to this and get the wrong idea. And I feel like I need to reiterate. I can at this current moment, gone by hot wings without being interrupted. And it's blissful. The only reason I'm talking about this is because I have a lot of ambitions for my content. And as I mentioned a moment ago, like, I love people feeling something from it. And for argument's sake, the next thing that I'm going to put out, which I should have actually filmed at the beginning of April, but thanks to the lockdown, it's not happened, it's called The Train, and it's set on the London Underground. And through my previous... (laughs) docs and short films and series i'm always just obsessing over making content connect with people on on a more on on a more significant manner just always wanting to just prod people's buttons a little bit more in the same way 61 hugs really connected with people i learned a lot from that about writing about producing and then Waiting with a Killer, I learned a lot about writing, producing, what really gets under people's skin. The Train, I mean, to be fair, The Train's... This is a project that's been swimming around in my head for about three years now. And the planets have aligned, and I was able to go down with a crew of two to film it this year, April. But lockdown... Have I discussed this before that I was meant to be filming that? I genuinely can't remember if I discussed this. If not, here's another first for you, my friendly, loyal podcast humans. I was meant to be filming The Train. And it hasn't happened, but I'm fine. I'm not I'm not the kind of guy to stress over it, but it'll happen when it will happen. And I am not embarrassed to say that I think the train will be something that will just really connect with a lot of people. And the reason I'm happy to say that as an artist is actually very important. Like you might listen to that and think, who's this dickhead? The train will be wank. Fuck off, <laughs> right? But I just think as an artist, it's important to just stop that self-deprecating bollocks because I see all my friends who are artists and creatives and singers and whatever. I see them saying things like, oh, I hope this thing I do is good or I'm going to do this thing in a couple of months and I hope it's good. I don't know, it might be shit. Fuck that. I just think that kind of dialogue is part of the problem. And this is something I've been talking about a lot on my... everywhere, on Instagram, on my website, on Twitter. Like this corrosive self-talk that artists have where they always just beat themselves up. And I just think if you do that enough, it's like anything, it becomes your habit and it becomes your default and you start thinking you're not good enough. You start thinking you're not worthy. And that just leads down uh, That just leads down a rabbit hole of just always second guessing yourself and not being proud of your work and not being willing to put it out there and be shameless and, you know, and I'm not interested in being that guy. I want to be the guy that isn't arrogant and full of himself, but he's just proud and stands by stuff. I just think it makes for, in fact, I don't think, I know, it just makes for a more blissful existence when you don't hate yourself and you don't think you're a bell end and you think you you have a right to exist in the world, as does your art, right? And that's where I am and that's where I'm trying to get more of and I'm trying to just spend more time in that space. So me sitting here and saying, you know what, the train is going to be great. People are going to feel something about it and I'm happy to say that for all the aforementioned reasons I've just outlined and I want more artists who are my mates who listen to this or even you don't even have to be an artist you can apply this to any area of your life just give yourself a fucking break all right um because as Brits our default is to be self-effacing and self-deprecating isn't it but I'm bored of it honestly I'm bored of it and I've discussed you know, I'm really into this psychology stuff. I talk about it a lot. Anyway, that's just, I've just gone off on a tangent. What was I talking about? Yeah, people who don't understand fame. Jesus Christ, how the hell did I get onto that? Um, Yeah, I, I 100% see the pitfalls. And the second thing I want to talk to you about is when Helena was saying, you just have to take the good with the bad. And that's so true. Let me give you a little anecdote, which has amused me this week. Someone discovered the podcast. This podcast that you're listening to right now. Someone discovered it this week. And I know the guy. But he either didn't know that I had this podcast or he knew, but he didn't give a shit because he doesn't listen to podcasts. I think it's more the latter. Anyway, he discovered it. And I think he said within three days, he'd listen to all 16 episodes. And I was delighted. Cause I know that this isn't the kind of guy that would just do it for his own health. So Dave, otherwise known as Magic Man London, thank you sincerely. And he said... I listened to it all in three days, and now I'm annoyed because there's something quite blissful about just being able to consume a lot of content and a lot of episodes, but now I'm going to have to just settle for one episode at a time, but I might just actually consume it in three three weekly blocks. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because at this point, let's just say my ego was mildly aroused, all right, probably the best way I can put it, and but he then brought me back down to earth by saying I told a mate to listen to it <laughs> I told a mate to listen to it and I think about two days later I gave him a text and I said what do you think and he, he, he said "Yeah, it's not for me <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for me I came crushing back down to earth <laughs> And I, oh, I was like, all oh, right, that's really interesting. And, he, and then De- and then Dave said, no, but I said to him, no, you, it might be a slow burner. Just give it another few episodes. Just, just try another episode. Just try another two. And he went, okay. So his mate went and gave another two episodes ago, And he came back to him and went, actually, yeah, it's all right. It's, it's an easy listen. And then Dave said, do you think you'll listen to any more? And his mate went, nah. <laughs> so... At this point, I was thinking, I love this because I look at these, I look at these as tests in the same way as last week when I read that negative comment on YouTube underneath my latest documentary. No, not my latest, the one before last, Waiting with a Killer. Someone wrote underneath that, "What is this shit?" And I genuinely look at these as tests because I just think, um, in the same way I was just talking to you, people who can't see the the, the drawbacks and pitfalls of fame, I would. I would beg you to consider Caroline Flack, who, given the online abuse and trolling, she suffered, decided enough is enough and took her own life. Now, obviously, everybody has a different tolerance for that kind of stuff. Seemingly, Caroline's was maybe not as robust as yours. So you might be thinking, well, I'm not. online abuse wouldn't affect me. I used to be that guy. I guarantee I used to be that guy until I started putting out content and then people finding it, people were loving it and other people were hating it. And until you get people saying, what is this shit? And in fact, that particular guy who decided to go into real depths of talking about my appearance and all that stuff. I've discussed this in a previous episode as well. And the guy that was, I read out that really, What's, what's the best word I can use to explain that comment? That really vicious, I guess, comment underneath waiting with a killer. Um, I look at it as practice because I'm a nobody now. So this is the perfect time and the perfect opportunity for me to just build up my tolerance because, you know, as I continue to make more content and write more stuff, which is my plan and it gets more eyeballs, it's not going to, it like, it's gonna continue. It's gonna continue, and I just love these tests. When this guy said, nah, "The podcast, it's not for me," or when this guy on YouTube said, "Who's this dickhead? He looks weird." Like I, I honestly look at all these things as tests, and I'm like, all right, cool. It's making me more resilient, if anything else. So that's why I find these the perspectives of these people, utterly fascinating. And what I want to share with you now, I want to share with you the second and last interview discussing fame that I just, again, let's use that word of mine, happen chance, (laughs) that I stumbled across this week. Do you remember Pop World on Channel 4 with Simon Amstel and Makita Oliver? I loved that show. I absolutely loved it. And they've, Makita's kind of gone quiet hasn't she and I just stumbled across this interview with her and it's brilliant it's part of a podcast called the whole truth podcast it's on YouTube it's a YouTube series and it's presented by Jordan Some I don't know what his surname is but he used to be in Rizzle Kicks I was never into Rizzle Kicks to be fair but he's brilliant as a host and he's talking to Makita and it's, it's the whole podcast is about mental health which for all intents and purposes, it wouldn't be my normal bag. I only, I only watched this interview and clicked play because Makita was on it. I was keen to know what she's up to now. Then I just realised these episodes are brilliant. So he's interviewing people like Professor Green, Greg James from the BBC Radio 1, Breakfast Show, Reggie Yates. Uh, yeah, he's just got, you know, names you might be familiar with. And it's just really interesting some of the stuff they're talking about. So I'm going to play this when him and Makita just happen to discuss fame. Fascinating. Let's go.
3: Because it is a little bit. Let's be honest about the fact that you and I have been well known since we were young, Uh and I think that does really affect. uh, That does really affect your mental health because I think it can be very, very isolating. Yeah, Um, the bigger you get, the smaller the world does. Yeah, and and also just like for a lot after a long time after like five years, ten years, it's all you know. So I think you can become quite introverted because you don't, A, want to discuss it with anyone ever because everyone's like, I don't want to hear about you getting recognised. Yeah. Who gives a shit? So it's Can't something... complain about fame. Exactly. I was told that so and it, early. And so it's a conversation you're constantly having with yourself about, like, do I want to get on that pack train? Do I want to walk down that street? Do I want to walk it's in that mad, pub? It's mad, is it? So it's like... It, 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 I don't know, it makes you and your brain a bit of a weird team. In a way it's bizarre. Way. I always consider it like this, so how I explain it to someone is... I feel as though life is this big house, you know, and you're just making your way around certain rooms. And and pretty much everyone goes to a few key rooms, you know? Mm-hmm. And then ultimately you get to a point where you go, okay, I think I've seen enough rooms. I'm going to decorate the ones that I've already seen. <laughs> but it's almost like s- things like fame or, or being exposed to a certain environment is like you l- open a door to a room and it is like, Quite exciting, but,
2: you but eventually to you, it. you
3: don't want to live in it. But you know you have to shut it, and once it's shut, you, you think, can never go back in that room. You've seen it. Oh right. So now you can't. You, you can't, can't not not see it. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't <laughs> That's not. True, you can't unsee it. Yeah. That's actually a very weird, brilliant, brilliant <laughs> description of Do you know what I mean? Because so you're walking around this house and you're thinking, oh man, I. That room? (laughs) Yeah, that room. That room is exciting. It's like, and then people are like, what room? I don't understand. My life's (laughs) missing. I just look at other rooms. (laughs) Anyway. um,
0: I could listen to Makita Oliver's laugh all day. It's brilliant. But if you want to watch that episode, each one of the episodes are like 30, well, about 40 to 45 minutes. They're brilliant. It's called The Whole Truth. So jump onto YouTube if you want to watch that. Type in The Whole Truth, Makita Oliver, and it will be the first thing you'll see, obviously. And it's just really interesting. She's got this weird phobia that she talks about, and she's petrified of textures, specifically bricks and broken bricks. Like she's just so she's uh, I think immediately after this episode, she was gonna see a hypnotist, hypnotherapist, because it's been bothering her forever. So she's gonna go and see a hypnotherapist to sort out this phobia that she has of textures which is just odd but anyway if you do decide to jump onto youtube and watch that episode it'd be fascinating to know your thoughts but yeah what he was saying about you know you have a taste of fame and there are some elements of it which are you know seemingly quite seductive but you don't want to live in that room and i can understand that and as i was just watching it again for like the eighth time just now i was thinking that makes sense because they are don't get me wrong i'm not naive there are some elements which would be desirable. I remember being 18 going to nightclubs, right? If you live in Sheffield, you might remember Republic nightclub on a, just off of Rundle Street. <laughs> that was my favorite club as a kid and for some reason I've never even got to the bottom of it. For some reason, the head bouncer always liked me and he took and I don't I was going to say took a shine to me, but that would make it sound like he, you know, wanted intercourse. But I'm not saying that. He was just always he always just walked down the line and every time he saw me, he was like just in your pop and so i'd just go to the i'd go to the front and we'd never have any problems and he was just i never understood why and that was just a joy and you know what i'll 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 t- i'll take a cue jump i'm not too proud to take a cue jump if that is a trapping of 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 being known <laughs> but yeah i'll take a cue jump but let me buy my hot wings in peace fuck off <laughs> yeah so I, yeah, it's just been a really interesting week how, it's just been a really curious coincidence this week how I've just been, you know, finding, discovering new stuff online. None of them are inherently, you know, based on talking about fame, but the episodes that landed I were talking about fame. Do you believe what I was mentioning earlier on, that wherever you're attention goes your energy flows so whatever you focus on at any given time that's usually what you'll find manifest i've been was, I was talking to a friend of mine again dave about manifesting stuff this this week it's odd the more i try it the more i think there's something in it um i'm gonna save that for another episode because i don't want to i don't this i think this episode's already schizophrenic enough but i'd be interested to talk about manifesting one day actually remind me if i ever forget but what i'm going to do now is ask you one question We've already explored whether there's such a thing as sexy penguins. I'm now curious as to what you think about fame. Would you have a piece? Would you have a piece if you were given the option? Um, Let me know, please. Right, okay, let's go. So I've been sent some questions for a new magazine and I've been asked to answer them. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to answer one of them with you so that you have so that you feel like you've, you know, you're getting something out of this weekly pilgrimage of a podcast. (laughs) You know, I like to, I like to make sure that your commitment and returning attention to this is rewarded. So I'm going to now indulge in some obscene narcissism and answer one of these three questions with you. (laughs) So, Hey, CK, just dropping in with the interview questions for the piece for the Jump Cut magazine. Um, I'll be writing a profile on you. I will run it by you before publishing. Here are the three questions. Question one, I don't actually, I've not read these yet. So question one of the three. With an array of intriguing documentaries under your belt so far, are we right to assume that your eventual feature film will be a documentary too? Hmm, interesting. Question two, your documentaries so far all have something of a spontaneous feel to them, which gives them a a really exciting energy. When you ultimately create a feature film, do you think you would still go for the unscripted approach or would you perhaps veer towards a more heavily researched and planned project? And then question three, the runtime of your short documentaries thus far has been steadily increasing with your latest doc out there coming in at 25 minutes. Surely a feature length film can't be far away. I can't decide if this guy thinks I'm trying to make scripted films. When he says, he keeps talking about feature films, but I don't really have a desire to make feature films. You know, I prefer, I mean, if you go onto my new website, it says that the content I make sits between documentary and film, I guess. And I'm all about, Capturing real life occurrences as they develop. That's what I love. So I'm not really trying to make feature films that are scripted per se. So I'm just going to assume he means feature length documentary. All right, let's just assume that's what he means because if he doesn't, tough shit. So I think I might answer question two, which give a really exciting energy. Would you also create a feature film? Do you think you would? Hmm. Are we right to assume we've, uh, we'll be documentary too? Do you know what? I don't, I'm going to answer question. You see, this is one of those moments when I should probably, have, I should have, because as I'm saying this with you here, I'm saying these words and I'm reading this question and I'm just thinking, hang on a minute, are you really going to answer a question? Type the answer and assume that makes interesting listening. <laughs> oh dear. All of a sudden, the reality of this situation has just descended upon me like a giant petrol on a baby penguin. And, alas, there is no Adele penguin to save you from this. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to answer question one. So, question one, again, with an array of intriguing documentaries under your belt so far, are we right to assume that your eventual feature film will be a documentary too? All right, I'm going to answer that one with you here, and then I'm going to answer that. Then I'm going to run away with my tail between my legs, thinking Jesus Christ. So that um, uh, your eventual feature film will be a documentary too. So I'm going to okay. As I, I'm going to speak this out loud as I'm typing it. So well, uh, feature length documentary is certainly an idea that arouses no not arouses that hang on a feature length documentary is certainly a com it's certainly an idea that appeals to me I might have to appeals to me it'll have to do for now um a feature length documentary certainly appeals to me certainly appeals to me And in fact, this year, April to be precise, I was... No, I planned to travel down to London with a crew of two to film what... Might be my most ambitious project yet. The train. This idea has been in my head for the last three years. And finally. The. Planets aligned and I could go ahead with production. Alas, a small but not insignificant little fella made this... Impossible. I speak, of course, about COVID 19. I'm not sure I can go ahead with this little fella. Can you say something like that? Is that insensitive? I'm just going to read that back. Alas, a small but not insignificant little fella made this insignificant. I speak, of course, of COVID-19. I don't think it's about it being insensitive. I just think it's grammatical. It's just grammatical. It's just grammatic bullshit. How can you call... What's it called? There's a technical word for when you humanise things that aren't human. There's actually a word for that. And I can't, And it can be quite fun sometimes. Like, if you're talking about a piece of fruit and you humanise it, that can be quite fun. fun in the context of written prose. But when it's a pandemic, I'm not sure... I might have to, yell. Yeah, I'll have to think about that one. So, I'll continue. So, although I am unable to film the train in the near future, I do know given its structure that it will be a 45 to 60 minute production. And given my fascination with stretching. Myself as a creator. Having not yet produced a feature length doc. I am more excited than a penguin. Hmm. I'm more excited than a penguin. Hmm. What can I, I, you know, I like to, I, I do. I do like a gag produced a feature length doc. I'm now more excited than a penguin. Hmm. What'd be what how can I end this? I'm now more excited than a penguin. There's gotta I know there's a gag here somewhere. It, this is I love writing and just dropping in random gags. It's just it's just the way I, it's just my way my brain works. <laughs> Come on, you gotta help me out here. Given my fascination with stretching myself. As a creator, having not yet produced a feature length doc, I am more excited than a penguin. What than a penguin? Hmm. This might be a cliffhanger. I might return to it next week. I'm now more excited than a penguin. than a penguin. Penguin on roller skates isn't funny. Why would a penguin be on roller skates? I don't know if I can put a penguin on roller skates. It doesn't make any sense. I'm no more excited than a penguin. Maybe that, maybe I'll leave that there. that will be real. That'd be a really good way to get you involved in my journey. Because the thing is, okay, he's told me that he said that he wants these no later than the 21st of May. And as I sit here, what's today's date? It's the 17th of May. It's Sunday, the 17th of May, 8 p.m. So I'll tell you what, you have four days to conclude this. And if I like what you suggest, then you can guarantee that not only will I use it, but then you can read it in print and you'll be like, I wrote that because CK is a useless bastard and he couldn't think of anything amusing. I like that. That's Let's do that. I'm going to leave this for you to conclude. So this is the closing sentence. I'm talking about how my next project, The Train, will be 45 to 60 minutes. And given my fascination with stretching myself as a creator, having not yet produced a 60-minute documentary, I am more excited than a penguin, dash, dash, dash. Finish that sentence and be better than me. <laughs> See you next week.